0: In this episode, Ryan and I talk about how some people are just discovering that there are companies out there that just plain do not like the infinite banking concept and what that means for you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bank of Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. 20 miles south of Fort Worth, Texas in an undisclosed location, deep underground, the town square. (laughs) talking about life insurance baby yeah what's happening mr griggs Mm. by the time
1: this comes out i mean here we are january 23 like 2023 there's going to be i know you don't care to spend too much time on it but there's going to be the videos out about how certain companies are cracking down on the use of ibc or the language of banking in the sale or marketing of whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. You care to comment, Mr. Nethery? Um,
0: you know, I don't think that's anything new. I think the uh, companies are just reaffirming to their sales force across the country, whom they don't really have control over, uh, that they're really not interested in the, the sales uh method, or sales, what do you call it? What do they call them? Sales system. Sales system, yeah, yeah. The life insurance companies don't like the sales systems of the infinite banking concept. Then they, of course, lump them all together, you know, whatever their names are. Boy, uh, (laughs) it's bank on yourself. That's what they're called, boy agents. I I know. It's just the... All right. You know, uh, everybody who can put three letters together, IBC, or mention, well... Most time they don't mention Nelson's name. Okay, let me be real clear and answer your question, sir. It's a very straightforward question. Let me give you a straightforward answer. The life insurance companies—they're uh, the ones that have all the money. Right. So when anybody gets sued, everybody's named in the lawsuit, but the life insurance company has the money. And it seems like a you know a proverbial pastime for the regulators is to sue the life insurance companies because they have the money, mm-hmm. right? And so Which is the same reason
1: the private equity firms and everybody come after the life insurance. Like this isn't
0: unusual. Not at all. Yeah. And so they're gonna they reaffirm from time to time that they don't like the word banking. Banking look, the banking industry is the most one of the most regulated industries in the in the country, right along life insurance. And the fact is a life insurance company is not a bank. Period. Mm. Right. And so you have, uh, you know, the larger the company, the larger the, the sales force of the agents out there. And then and that's a whole conversation that you can have. That the, the, the sales forces of a life insurance company is nothing but a distribution of a product. Right. Whether they're the product is sold and purchased through banks, brokerages, you know, independent marketing organizations, Field marketing organizations, where the life insurance company really owns a field marketing organization, but you don't know that until you peel a couple of the layers <laughs> off the onion. Or independent marketing organizations, IMOs. You know, they're all doing all these different things, and who knows what's uh, conveyed across the kitchen table, you know, quote-unquote. I know that's 1950s, but you just go online and listen to what people – how they talk about the infinite making concept. If I was a life insurance company, I'd probably summarily fire half of them.
1: Okay, so then let's go in that direction. So, why would it be the case that companies, certain companies, because it's not all of them, why would it be the case that certain companies, We already mentioned the size factor, uh, why would they have a fear of legal liability related to the use of banking or banking adjacent kind of language like is it because i could see a prospective policy owner even a current policy owner saying well wait if there's all this legal liability attached to ibc then this ibc stuff must not be a good thing like there what is there something wrong in doing ibc like what is what could be responsible for that fear
0: I think it lies in the very language and the activities of agents and agencies. That's where the responsibility lies, in my opinion, right? And, and what what industry doesn't want to blame the consumer when something doesn't go right, mm. right? So I think that's ultimately where the responsibility is. And then, two, currently today, there's very little, quote-unquote, training in the life insurance industry. You know, back – 20 years ago or however far you want to go back uh the life insurance companies actually trained agents you know in the in the in the economics of life insurance not only in the sales method no question but you know in in finance in retirement planning in personal finance you know there are some well, real fundamental basic legitimate
1: training let me ask it this way why wouldn't those companies want IBC-style business? Okay. Well, besides the liability or... Well, if they're saying that... If the implication is that IBC... Uh, the, that the language of IBC or the language of banking in, in the sale of life insurance, if, they, if, if what's attached to that is a fear of legal liability... To me, that would imply that something's wrong with the business that gets done mm-hmm. in the language of IBC. Because if nothing went wrong, then there wouldn't be a liability fear. If it just, if the use of the IBC language or banking language or bank on yourself or whatever the pretend, <laughs> whatever the <laughs>
0: copycat Was that a Freudian versions, slip there?
1: Whatever the copycat Or just versions. a lack of restraint. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever the copycat versions of IBC like if that just led to more product sales and the and the that when we say that business if those policies stayed in force and people paid the premium and there wasn't any unusual lapse activity you might see where I'm going with this then and, and nobody was ever disappointed right the agent was happy because the sale got made the client was happy because they got what they wanted and everything went well and then and the carrier gets to place more business through their distribution channel then what's wrong like what what, what could go wrong what is maybe going wrong in that setup in particular situations with particular companies and particular kinds of agencies that could result in the company saying, stop using these, these terms. Well, okay. I mean, you
0: see what I'm saying? Like I'm asking you to speculate, but I I, am right. And I don't want to speak. And I do not speak for the life insurance companies, right? I have the relationships that I have with the life insurance companies are very good um, or I don't have them, right? They don't exist. Um, So historically, let's just go back in time. Uh, Let's go to the 80s. All right, Universal Life comes out. Um, Oh, but wait, the 401 case came out as well, right? Uh, You know, the kill plan, the kill plan, put away a million dollars, and you're going to be, you know, a millionaire when you retire in a lower tax bracket. Um, So prior to the 80s, all right, people, your, your people, my people, your people, our grandparents, right? Put money into life insurance as a place to save money, right? Well, then here comes you know the mutual funds didn't exist until the 30s, I believe, right? And most people didn't have enough money to you know put into mutual funds, but then you know you just develop that out, and you got the you have the uh, we experienced all the consumer advocates, you know Ralph Nader and all of those people that. Um, you know, this whole life insurance and then the term promoters and all of that, right? So whole life insurance was demonized and then it's a commissionable product, too. You know, commission's a bad word. You can get paid fees and you can pay fees and all kinds of different uh, revenue streams and, um, you know, to investment advisors, whether they're fee-only or they get paid in the back door to have the products available. Uh, and, And my point here is commission has become a bad word. OK, so it's very easy to demonize, you know, a commissioned salesperson. So there's some of that. And then you have the uh, life insurance companies in the 80s trying to be all things to all people. You have the consumer advocates saying, hey, you know, whole life insurance and, and just comparing term, for instance, to whole life. And it's just a premium death benefit comparison so whole life costs more and so that's a bad thing and you can't really tell with whole life insurance you know what the cost of the death benefit is and you have that you know internal guaranteed accumulation and the guaranteed account value and it's like it's too complex so you have to unbundle that Right. And so here the life insurance companies trying to be all things to all people. Then you have, you know, Uncle Guido up there trying to give you, incentivize you, the American consumer, because you're not smart enough to take care of yourself. Give you tax breaks today. The 401k now. Well, who benefits from all of that? OK, so there's that. You know, there's the, the story is robust. The characters in the play are robust. Right. Um then you, you combine the, you know, or you include in that, you know, the term promoters. It's very easy to demonize someone and the industry. Oh, you know, the life insurance company is going to keep your cash value when you die. Your poor wife is only going to get the death benefit, those mean SOBs. And all right, so, and then you're going, to, you're going to pay interest to borrow your own money. So just that particular language is okay. In the big, wide world, because who's benefiting from people putting the money in the IRAs and 401ks? It's Wall Street. Okay, well, you get into the life insurance industry, and then, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm lazy in language, right? Um, but not on purpose with the intent to make life insurance look better than it really is. Calling it a savings account. Calling it a retirement plan. You know, saying, I, you know, you can't see it. Uh, listener and viewer but there's a a big whiteboard on behind mr griggs and there's a lot of fabulous notes up there that are gonna be there someday well this one was erased but and i'm looking up there because you know i listen i I don't listen all the time but i hear my i hear more than i want to hear of comments and presentations online and and every now and then, when I hear one really egregious, and I'm like, "Man, I got to remember that." I write it up there on the whiteboard. All right, so when you have an agent that says you can put money in, or no, you can just keep, you can keep, you can just keep taking money out forever, and it doesn't matter. Specifically talking about the infinite banking concept, right, and dividend-paying whole life insurance. Yeah. So you have agents out there that say things like that, and all kinds of variations of whatever they're saying to get the consumer to say yes, so they get paid. So the consumer is buying something that is not really being delivered. Yeah. But the agents getting paid, right? So, and like I said, the uh, life insurance companies—they were sued, uh, and they have been sued with the universal life going back to the '80s, and you know the life insurance companies. Failing to defend themselves. Right, well, and then you have, and it's going on today, you have all the companies demutualizing in the 80s. Why? So the NBA guy can come in there and manage them and they all get bonuses, demutualize, turn them into stock companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story is.
1: Let, uh, let me add something. <laughs> okay. Because I think there's a few unique things, right? You mentioned a lot of the historical track record that just gives whole life in the. Companies a bad name generally, and I think that is, of course, all true. And it's it's like like fertilized ground. I mean, it's it's like the 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 groundwork is like primed for attacks like this, absolutely, because of that history. And I think that's definitely part of it. But then I think something's changed. You know, one particular company, and I don't name companies publicly because other I'm going to let. All the other people do that because there are plenty of them who will. Uh, one particular of the big four supposedly has recently sent a letter to agents saying, stop using this language, something to that effect. I'll get my hands on the letter eventually.
0: Uh, uh, this afternoon, it's probably <laughs> in your email right
1: now. Uh, so that's you know, that's happening so obviously here you in 20, them
0: if you didn't get it.
1: That's happened. <laughs> I don't. That's happening here in 2023. It's happening at a, in a particular time and place. You know, didn't ha- so something's changing, something's causing a more explicit pushback from, again, I stress certain companies, which happen to be quite large. Uh, so there's, I think there's something that's more particular to these circumstances that's occurring because Nelson's book, you know, really the the first book on the idea of using cash value in whole life in this manner that he referred to as banking. And you know, God bless the lawyers and the uh overthinkers, but you know, they want it they hear one word and associate it with certain regulatory meanings and then they just have a panic attack and i get it nelson had a very uh, a much simpler much more elegant understanding that it's just about the movement of money and, and we can't handle that complex idea so you have to have a panic attack over the use of the word banking whatever so th- becoming your own banker in the year 2000 i mean the nelson nash institute originally infinite banking concepts llc you know really only gets up and running in a a systematic organized fashion in the early 20 teens you know 2010 11 12 here we are 2023 this podcast which is the longest running podcast on the infinite banking concept uh will be four years old in march so only four years not even four years old okay and i just say these things to give people context like in the grand scheme of the marketing or the education of, of, of the of quote-unquote banking-related financial concepts as it pertains to the whole life is new, okay? It's not as if this particular kind of language has been happening for a long time, at least not on the scale. And you got to consider, too, I mean, YouTube wasn't really a thing in the early 2000s. Right. You know, the, the proliferation of video and online media is really only coming into full form or at least reaching new stages of evolution as we get into the 2010s and now into the 2020s. So all of these factors are kind of coming together at a certain time. Okay, then you've got these major financial organizations where the sales markets want to sell as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so when they get a little whiff of something that might smell like a sales system, they jump at it. And in these major conglomerate companies, you've got all this uh, compartmentalization of the different functions. you got your legal group over here. you got your, your legal and compliance, your human resources over there. You've got your sales and marketing people over there. Okay, so the, the sales and the marketing people come up with all the ideas, and they throw whatever they think might stick to the wall at the legal and compliance department. And 2 to 5% of that seeps out and is allowed to be used by the agencies. And then you have the different contractual arrangements, these various distribution channels, IMOs, FMOs, GAs, some of which are granted more leeway because there's a, a, in the contract language that describes the relationship between the agent and the company, you have, depending upon the type of distribution, the type of uh, channel, you've got different degrees of involvement. Right. And so companies can uh, put greater distance between themselves and the agent in certain types of distributions. Right. Whereas with others, there's a a closer relationship. And so all of this is in the background. Right. Uh, And the companies just want to make money. Right. And the agents think IBC is a sales system. It's just a marketing strategy for the sale of life insurance, which Nelson said explicitly over and over again in writing and verbally that it's not right? it's a it's a lifestyle it's a way of behaving it's an it's an economic what well, I would say a capitalization strategy it's not a sales system but that doesn't stop the life insurance agents right especially not the ones with the selfie cam and a microphone okay so they and then so where do those agents go where do the where do the agents who want to sell some life insurance go when they want to get a product that they can engineer to hyper-accentuate cash value growth in the immediate short term, right? Because that's that's really the way to get somebody to say yes quickly, right? It's, let me, you know, sign here, say yes, submit the application, take delivery, don't worry, whatever you pay will be there tomorrow, right? you won't cost
0: we, anything after the death benefit's free after three or four years. Yeah,
1: we're gonna minimize the, uh, capitalization requirement, right? We're going to push, we're going to squeeze that down to nothing, right? We're going to squeeze the base premium down to nothing to show high cash value right away. So you can get a high high IRR really quickly, right? Because we're going to analyze life insurance the way we analyze real estate, even though they're totally different things, economically, physically, all the legally. uh, So, so where do they go to get that done? Well, they go to companies with these marketing and sales departments that are happy to throw whatever they can at the legal departments to see what they can get by, right? And so you get you get uh, this sort of context where companies, certain companies, will allow agents to do certain things without much forethought about the consequences because <laughs> it's going to lead to sales. Right, and in the short term, that can work. Everything works in the short term, right? The the ten ninety kind of business gets a sale done quickly. That gets placed, commissions get paid. Everything looks good on paper for right now, yep. right? It's kind of like inflationary money. I got to get a
0: loan immediately because now I've got to go do the real estate
1: or the HELOC or whatever. Exactly, and, and and there we go. And so now we're getting into the timing of all of this, right? So you have this relatively recent marketing phenomenon around the anti-base premium, anti-capitalization, hyper-cash value accentuation kind of mindset, that business starts to go in force over the past, let's say, three to five years. Maybe more so, more intensely in in the recent short term. I wonder, I just wonder, if the companies that allowed that all to happen in the first place... Are starting to discover what the quality
0: of that business is really like, and and interest rates are rising, hmm. and those policies are leveraged because not only I mean we talk about it uh, many times, but uh, not necessarily always in depth. the The skinny little premium I want to pay nothing because I want no skin in the game. I got to have an IRR that's incredible or ROR. Um, And then, and then, too, it goes into the uh, the uh, you know, let me get a these exotic names that they make up a PI lock pile lock <laughs> policy you know yes a, a, a whole Cash life lock a we credit. lock a, <laughs> all of these things you know leverage your life insurance policy with a third-party lender you know so go get that line of credit Will you tell me what lines of credits you're doing now are you telling me that you're in the interest rates on your line of credit is like going down or staying level hmm. is that right oh okay and then when you have a line of credit Collateralizing or your policies collateralizing the line of credit. And I'm not saying it never works, right? It always works until there's a problem. There's never a problem until there's a problem. Uh, So I have $100,000, you know, line of credit and I have $100,000 in cash value. The whole policy is collateralized. I don't care what you say or what you think. Okay. And now if I'm paying premium, and I'm probably not because there's flawed thinking is really the problem once you get beyond the structural problems of those. 1090, 8515 or whatever policies, you know, very small base, big P way. It's the thinking, right? So you got, you got to have all that cash value available so you can collateralize to go do all of these other things to enhance the rate of return because that life insurance policy is just a worse place to put money. All right. And then you do that with a a HELOC or line of credit, whatever. Um, And now interest rates are going up, right? But If you're paying premium and you're probably not, because that's an extension of that flawed thinking, reducing the premium, not repaying loans, not paying interest. Um, But if you are, you know, if you're the exception and you're paying those premiums, your cash value is increasing, but your line of credit is remaining the same. Unless you want to cough up two more years of tax returns and go through their hoops. I was talking to a gentleman this week and he went in (laughs) because he had done all that. I know it's a side note, but it's. Oh, my gosh. Um, a lovely client. He goes into the bank and pays off a line of credit. That, you know, he's, he's actually doing the real estate and has done it before, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and of course, the banker is, uh, you know, fresh out of high school with MBA or fresh out of college. You know, and he's paying off this line of credit. And she says, oh, oh to the teller, whatever. So the teller has to go get the banker, right? And the banker goes, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like don't I'm leave I'm paying off a lot of credit keep and, the shackles I, on I'm, hmm? keep the shackles on oh my gosh I'm probably gonna I should have wrote it down verbatim what he said he said yeah you know as the uh, I see it as a as a liability now <laughs> can you imagine the banker's eyes when he said oh yeah I see it as a liability oh no we can extend it you know we can increase it we can do blah blah blah, blah. we can do whatever you want he's like no I see it as a liability yeah, we, can, we can expand the liability I love that so And my point here is, um, life insurance. I mean, you round it out is a beautiful place to put money when it's properly structured, and it's not a you know it's not designed to get everything out or collateralize in year one. Okay,
1: yeah, I I think that see
0: it as a liability.
1: I think the companies are that allowed, promoted, implicitly endorsed. That the the kind of anti-base marketing tactic are discovering that those policies have relatively higher loan activity, be it through a third-party lender or be it through the company itself. And they're suddenly not so comfortable with a whole bunch of loan activity on these policies because historically, a lot of loan activity predicts Greater than uh, proportionally greater lapse activity, and and that doesn't work for the company. Uh, so I, I think I think that's what's happening. Well, I think that I think the quality of, the, of it. I think the quality no of the question. business is. I think they're discovering what the quality of that business really is. I think short term sales that got done based on uh, curated illustrations. On policies with uh, hyper ca- hyper short term oriented cash value growth dynamics, very little base premium, uh, no requirement for any forethought or initial education. Right, uh, it, you got to. Con- con- I mean, consider the kind of company because it is a challenge, right? If it, if the infinite banking concept says that you should pay a lot of premium to build a lot of cash value to take loans to finance the things you were going to finance anyway, then relative to a conventional insurance setting where it's get some death benefit in place in case something bad happens, your people are protected. The IBC style business is going to have a lot more loan activity. And that poses the companies, all companies to some degree complain about that because heaven forbid they have to do anything, right? But it's not like a theoretically insurmountable problem it's just about m- properly managing cash flows and uh, properly setting interest rate i mean i think it's one reason why variable rates on loans is economically wise and which goes hand in hand with non-direct recognition whole nother point but uh a co- my point is that companies that are willing to embrace what ibc what true, legitimate, authentic IBC really involves have to be willing to take a more astute, more nuanced look at loan activity. I think bona fide IBC style business, people who have read Nelson Nash's book, who want to pay a high premium, want to do it for a long time, who do take out more loans, those those policies may have greater loan activity, but I expect that bona fide IBC people also have greater loan repayment activity whereas the drive-by advising style get it done fast 10 595 they don't even do that because they don't even know it's possible but th- that kind of drive-by style uh has the greater loan activity without the greater loan repayment activity sure. and I think companies. I think the companies are starting to see that, and I don't think they're interested because why would they need to be? These giant conglomerates—they're they, going to sell the Wall Street products that are subject to the business cycle, that are paid based on annually recurring fees. They, that's that's what's going to cover their bottom line why why who cares about the this idea of this you know a 70 year liability in the form of a death benefit you're going to pay way out into the future you know that does very little for the corporate quarterly earnings report that you got to do at the end you know that at the end of the month at the end of the quarter so they don't need it you know uh there it's it's some of these companies transformed over time and we get it. The ones who like to brag about how old they are, you know, everyone's going to compete for the oldest, none of which in their current form was the form they were in 150 years ago. Right. right? They've all been bought and recycled over and over, but whatever. Okay. You've got the great dividend payment history. Great. Well, that's good. Continue that please. But some of these companies have transformed from, like a bona fide life insurance company to this financial services conglomeration that puts money with Bernie Madoff and that can't get in bed with the government fast enough. Wait, is that to the get...
0: same company that's sitting out, sending out that email? Hmm. Mm. <laughs>
1: can't get in bed with the government fast enough to get behind the, the tax qualified plans and the government really? programs, you know, the same companies that appeared in the modified demo contract hearings in the, in the in 1988, with totally pathetic responses, uh, it's the same companies that are hyper restrictive anyway. You got to pay PUA according to a set premium mode. You got to have a blended annually renewing term writer, the premium source of which is the dividend. They can't leave the dividend alone. God bless them. They just need to get their hands on that dividend to keep it from going back to the pol- going back to the policy's owner, the policy owner's control and authority. Uh, it's the same kind, you know. <laughs> It's all the same. So, but what I want to, what I hope can be avoided, is this perception that because certain companies of a certain size and scale and type, because they're turning against the language of IBC, it does not mean that you can't do IBC with bona fide life insurance companies who are. Hopefully, more selective about their agency force in the first place that want a, a well-educated client who can who you know, and then from the company's perspective, maybe they understand that there's going to be more loan activity. But that there's also going to be more loan repayment activity. And by the way, policy loan interest is revenue to the company. I sometimes struggle with this idea with the companies that, you know, they worry about the loan activity and then the loan repayment and then the policy loan interest. And, you know, we don't know when the policy loan interest is going to be repaid. What are you talking about? I mean, the, the, it's totally reserved for it. Exactly. (laughs) Lower the liability in the future. It's like, it's automatically collateralized. What are you talking about? Like, and uh, you're the one. The company is the one that sets the loan terms. Like what? <laughs> it's, I don't. I just don't accept the complaining from the co- like. This is not rocket science. No. Uh, and there are companies that, to some degree, have figured this out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and are willing to take the business and happily do so, and come to the Nelson Nash Institute think tank and openly support it. Hmm. <laughs>
0: Like there's a lot there, you know, talk about quality and the, the, you know, the historically when there's outstanding loans, it's a precursor to a lapse. There's something called a lapse ratio, right? How many policies are going to remain in force and actually enforce to natural mortality? And that lapse ratio is calculated in the pricing of a product. So when they come out with a product, that lapse ratio, you know, is included in their projections, Right, so whenever you, the consumer, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, lapse a policy, and and it it will skew the pricing of their product. It could, okay, so and I, I look. I'm married to my wife. I'm not married to the life insurance companies at all. And um, you know, uh, talking about the loan interest, they absolutely control it. They didn't call you and say, "Hey," <laughs> <laughs> <Don't know>. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, I remember years ago, I'm in the home office of a, a mutual life insurance company that was intrigued with the idea. Or we were in a room full of uh, guys, uh, individuals, um, just sharing with them the wonderful benefits and the possibilities of a mutual life insurance company embracing the idea of the infinite banking concept. Right, and and the you know the CEO was there, the the uh, chief underwriter, the chief investment. I mean they. All of the top brass were in the room, right? And it was, you know, went to dinner and all day in the boardroom. And, um, but one of them, I think it was, I don't remember his position. I'm sure he's retired now. Great guy. I didn't know him, never met him. But he'd been in the life, and most of them had been in the life insurance industry a long time. And he was making a point to the other brass of the life insurance company. like, listen, back here at this particular time with these other companies, that was our best, performing Mm -hmm. asset was the loan portfolio, you know, and so at least some of them get it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, But you speak, uh, speaking of the quality of the business, the lapse ratio, that's just part of it, right? You know, and they're learning that there's an absolute uh, variance in the quality of business. You know, just because you can say IBC and can't really, you know, stumble, fumble out (laughs) Nelson Nash's name, uh, you know, doesn't make, you know, the best uh relationship to the client, the best product long term or the best, you know, solution for the client long term. And these life insurance companies, you bet, are figuring that out. But they're also CYA. You know, you gotta send yes. out the letter that says, Hey, we don't support this. You know, so when things come up, it's like, nope, it's all him. You know, he was doing it because, you know, here's our letter and he didn't apply. So we immediately You know, cancel their contract and looking for Bernie Madoff's replacement so we can put more money with them, you know, because we got a lot of, you know, capital to get a return on. And how about the the (laughs) channels? Oh, wait, wait. And, too, that's another thing. See, you know, they – the life insurance companies, they listen to – So I mean, they listen. They're, they're not sleepwalking, okay? <laughs> they listen to – I'm not saying every video that goes out, but their attorneys, they're all listening at some – you know, I don't know exactly what they're listening to, but I guarantee you they're listening to social media. Um, so they've got to CYA. You know, we told them. We told them we weren't going to do it. You know, we told them not to do this, but they're doing it anyway, so it's not our fault. And then, too, um, let me say that it costs the company, uh, because that one, this particular company may be sending out a letter. There's other particular companies that are limiting the Mm. PUA, right? And and, and rightly so, right? Because it costs them a lot of money. It costs them more money to have a high PUA, right? Now- and you, I, I'm, I don't pretend to know the integral pricing of each product at each life insurance company, but in general, the company has to have you know an in, in, uh, uh, equivalent you know uh, liquidity, whatever you have, guaranteed access to. Well,
1: there has to be a balance, right? I mean, there's got to yeah, be. Thank goodness, some... interest
0: rates are going up for them. Is let me say that.
1: Oh you. yeah, for sure. There's got to be some balance between predictable incoming cash flow and. Totally discretionary payments by the policy owner. Yeah, and, right? and there's got to be some of that.
0: You know, it, if speaking to the lapse ratio, the quality of the business, you know, the life insurance, I'm telling you, I'm not a bleeding heart for the life insurance guy. I will not mention their names on purpose. You know, I have a couple of times, but because um, I'm not promoting life insurance companies yeah. at all. You know, I'm promoting the idea that you can become your own banker and you can control the banking function as it relates to you in your life. Right? Okay. Um, It's, if they're going to limit the PUA, right? um, Because it costs them money or whatever, it's, it's, it's like, it's almost like who cares? I really don't care. (laughs) So if I am an educated consumer and I understand the contract that I am putting my money into, uh, okay. And, and if I want to understand the contract, number one, I should read it and I should maybe, uh, control what I listen to, you know, just because something is said, um, doesn't mean it's true. And and I'm going to do, we're going to do an episode later on. You know, there's a private Facebook page out there. I know I'm going to throw this out there. Um, and it, and it's, Misleading. They at, love to hate. <laughs> it, 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 they started because they hate me. You know, have that in print over here. Um, and it's like, and, and they hate me because they tried to come into my process. And I'm like, I don't tolerate, I don't suffer fools, number one. All <laughs> right. And I don't tolerate uh, agents with agendas. I have a special heart, uh, place in my heart for agents. And I wouldn't let them continue in my process. Then they go into your process. Right. And so they get all hurt and been out of shape. Well, God bless you. But they can <laughs> string three. Letters together, I B C. Okay. Um, and I don't go looking for this stuff. It comes to me, and it, and it came to me that it's like some listener in there said, "Hey, I'm new to this. I love the idea and the concept. What other, you know, wh- where can I go? Is there a podcast or you know, what else can I l- read or listen to?" And then somebody else, they got, well, James and Ryan have, a, you, you should listen to the Bank with Life podcast. And then one of the admin who I kicked out of our system, and I have all this documented, okay? <laughs> um, says, oh, well, you know, whatever they say, you take with a grain of salt because, you know, Ryan likes to compare apples to oranges. And then other people, thank you, Patrick. Said, oh no, James and Ryan are the best in the business, and I'm bringing that up to say this. By all means, vet what I say, please, please, and not because that Yahoo said, oh, you know, they don't even know what they're talking about. They they can't even tell a, a legitimate comparison. It wasn't about apples and oranges. Oh, if you put more money into this policy, it's going to have more cash. No kidding, the number will be bigger because you put more in. Really, and you're an agent trying to trying to help these people. Okay, I digress. You feel better. So, uh, no, I mean, it, no. This really is very therapeutic for me. So, you have these life insurance companies out there that give these people contracts, and they have no idea what they're saying, or they act like they don't know what they're saying. But they'll cash every check. The life, I don't, I do not feel sorry for this company one bit. You know, they're CYN in my opinion. Oh yeah. But they cash. Oh, we don't like the infinite banking concept. We don't want to talk about banking, but send me the premium dollars because I can't cash that fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay wait while you're putting money with Bernie Madoff right and then and two when they build these policies they very well the life insurance company very well knows that that policy the lapse ratio is going to be higher and the death benefit is going to go down at natural mortality so they're hedging their bet by taking the money it's a good deal for the life insurance company you know so for those who are like
1: wondering about all the Madoff references there's a guy named <laughs> Harry Markopoulos oh my gosh. Uh A forensic accountant. Yeah, the one who originally reported uh, to the government on Madoff. He's got a book, No One Would Listen, a true financial thriller where the Madoff reference is documented. We'll put it there. So there's your source if you want to go hunt that down. Um, On that topic (laughs) of not mentioning companies, you know, it's – It's everything everyone can do online to talk about structure and company. What's the best structure? What's the best company? You know, it's, I was thinking I was going to drop my dog off. It's like, because I just got a new car not long ago. And it's like, you know, what's the best car? And what's the best uh, brand and make and model? And in the automobile world, I think it might be easier for people to understand that. Well, obviously there's not one best for everyone everywhere at all times like maybe it depends you mean you have a on, different
0: preference and a different timeline here you it, as a young man I'm like twice your age
1: it might depend yeah. on your yeah your circumstances your preferences your goals your philosophy like hmm maybe that would inform the best you don't see anybody going on YouTube making videos about what the best company is or what the best cars are and it's like it, it's all about value alignment right What's what's best for a particular set of circumstances for a particular value set But then what's happening with this company, and then you mentioned others too that are placing new restrictions on how much PUA premium can be paid relative to base, right? Because yeah. it's always been the case that PUA in some sense is restricted, right? The the contract does, all contracts always have always had to say how much at a maximum in PUA premium could be paid so that the underwriters can know how much in death benefit you could buy in certain years so that the contract can be underwritten from a risk management perspective. Like that's always been the case. And, and
0: let, me, let me say, don't, Don't lose. That's that's a big deal. That's very important. So if I have the contractual right to pay, let's say I'm using round numbers for me, uh, $10,000 into the PUA, that is going to buy a multiple of death benefit. It's paid up additions. It's paid up additional death benefit. We're talking about life insurance, right? You can't discount the death benefit. Uh, You shouldn't. Okay. So- if I have the guaranteed right to pay a PUA premium in the future, then the life insurance company has a they they have to have that multiple, and they limit that. You know, the older I get, like a thirty year old young person can maybe have three times a multiple pays ten thousand in premium. Maybe the death benefit goes up thirty thousand. You know, a sixty year old uh, individual may pay ten thousand in premium. Maybe it only goes up one times ten thousand. In there's twenty thousand or point five. You know, pay in ten. There's a fifteen thousand dollar increase or five thousand dollar Okay. So there's, there, that is underwritten for up front. Right, so it has to be uh, limited or you know codified in some way, and it is codified in the contract. And then two, the, the uh, seven-pay test is the initial seven-pay. You look at all your life insurance illustrations, and it'll say the initial seven-pay test is this. There's that numerical. There's that number. Okay. Well, there's a continual seven or MEC testing in the future. Based on the premium that you paid and the death benefit that's in force at the time. So that also adds to the life insurance company, you know, codification. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what you
1: were talking about earlier was that there's now new restrictions on how much PUA can be paid, not just in general, but relative to the base. So, you know, we're kind of harping on this one particular company just because it's been making the rounds, but it's not alone. There are other companies that also struggle with an understanding of what IBC is who are coming out... Except for out, that
0: one that contacted you.
1: Oh, they... Uh, <laughs> coming out with new ways to manage what they see as a risk, right? That's what all of this is. It's, it's the risk management, whether it's legal, whether it's lapse prevention, it's all managing what they see as potential downsides. And it's happening at companies that... The fact of the matter is, just don't get IBC the way Nelson taught it. That's what it is. And these ch- what I was what I wanted to come around to is, you know, we don't mention life insurance companies, and I just won't. And that at the at the end of the day. What may be best for a certain person now could change in the future because the people who run the companies change, the contract language changes whenever they've got to come out with new updates to conform with regulatory changes or to incorporate new actuarial statistics. Like what's best in a certain time and place for a certain person and value set could be different in the future. And so there's, I don't know if it's like something like a bit of a reckoning or what you want to call it, but... All these channels and online marketeers who have gone online and posted all these videos with all their pretty illustrations about how such and such company is so great for the quote-unquote IBC now get to deal with the consequences of a company that didn't understand it in the first place. And how how uncomfortable would that be right? I mean, we talk about the importance of thinking long range and going back to Nelson and how what Nelson said was so simple. If we would just align ourselves and conform ourselves to what he taught, life would be better. And, You know, you can you can do a short end run around that and talk about high cash value growth in the near term and how if we just cut corners and find the easy way and hack our way into it to do it better now quicker then it. will You know, we'll be better off if we found a new way to do IBC and all that can look really good in the short term. Right. Just like cutting interest rates down to nothing and counterfeiting the money supply can look real good for the stock market in the long term or in the short run. But then you get the long run. And the thing about the long run is that it actually comes around what and then you get moments like this where maybe all those decisions that we made because of the short run of uh, what what little but short run oriented analysis we did all that analysis that warranted that kind of behavior well now we're seeing the long the longer term consequences and i've we've i've mentioned before you know i've This particular company, again, (laughs) Hmm. Funny how these characteristics all kind of hang together with certain companies, right? They've got the restrictive riders. They've got the annually renewing term. They do the direct recognition. You know, there's little to no catch-up in the PUA. Then they're coming out against IBC. Funny how all these characteristics stack up with the same companies. Like, I mean, at some point, we got to wake up and say, like, Hey, maybe they don't want the You know what I learned a while back <laughs> is to not go where I'm not wanted. Woo. You know? Maybe you just don't go That's where a you're good not lesson. wanted. I'm glad you learned that. Yeah. And it's okay. And it and it takes a while to learn. Okay? It took me a while.
0: <laughs> the best and, lessons normally there.
1: And and maybe it's taken us a while online to learn just not to go where we're not wanted. You know, because if maybe the the companies they don't use the language of IBC, but we get hung up on, well, I can get this past the underwriter. You know, I can get them to say yes to this, even though they don't, I can get something, you know, I can get around them. I can be clever. If
0: you, you think that that kind of thinking isn't like perfectly aligned with that kind of marketing, just rethink that.
1: Yeah, you got some reevaluation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, maybe all that's a bad idea. Maybe it's okay to go work with companies and advisors who know what you're doing We don't have to put anything under the table, nothing under the rug. Everything is plain and clear. You know, we we, and we, in fact, incorporate all that into our selection process for which companies to work with and which contracts to get so that over the medium to long run. We don't have these kinds of problems. Oh, but ongoing service was never a part of the deal in the first place. With a lot of these, get you know drive-through style advising. Here's the fill out my online form. I'm going to have a an, an illustration automatically sent to you. Here's the doc sign link to the application. Get this, you know, sign. Get it done as quick as possible. Oh, and then you need service after the fact. Oh, well, maybe you should call the carrier maybe you know you need to go handle that with somebody else so service was never a part of the relationship in the first place right the commission already got paid you know the clawback period is ended so it, free look period <laughs> and, so, and so no wonder i know I've no touched. one all of this is all of this is predictable huh, you know what? who's shocked who's shocked well and i've seen the letters in the past where i was going with that earlier i've seen the letters in the past where Funny enough, you know, the dividend wasn't enough to cover the annually renewing term cost or mortality experience differed from what we originally assumed in the illustration. Turns out we're going to need you to pay up more premium to cover your annually renewing one year temporary term death benefit that doesn't add any cash value. The oh, guarantees
0: and, to increase every and, year.
1: Oh, yeah. And this could happen again and again. Oh, and your mortality <laughs> cost goes up year to year as your a- attained age rises. So, I've, I mean, there's already been little, bread, little bits and pieces, little breadcrumbs, little indications that things aren't going well over the medium to long term in these mutilated policies from these companies that don't like IBC in the first place and so now they're coming out just straight with
0: it and sending the letters to the agents to say it it's like it's a new round of agents the previous agents have received that communication either verbally point blank I mean they like we don't there's companies out there that the life insurance agent cannot mention Becoming Your Own Banker. Better not have the book in the office. Better not have the book. And let me tell you what. Uh, I, how can I prove that? Let me see. Uh, I don't know that I can, but you know, uh, since 2013, that's when the Nelson National Institute started. But that's when I released the Banking with Life DVD on the 100-year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. Mm. So I create this video. It's a, a documentary-style uh, video, right? And it just tells a story. The infinite banking concept, the boom and the bust cycle, you know, natural law, you know, sound money, um, and not saying, hey, you know, go to this company or go to that company, but it does talk about banking. You know, Nelson Nash is in there. Um, Agents all across the country bought that DVD from me, right? So, I mean, I've shipped them out, and and thank you, okay? A lot of those agents were with companies That could not mention becoming your own banker, right? Um, So that doesn't really prove, or, you know, it's just my experience. I mean, how
1: are you gonna prove it? You know, the companies wanna have it both ways, right? They wanna subtly, quietly prohibit things, but then also publicly endorse certain things that'll lead to...
0: And then cash every check.
1: They want all the upside, none of the downside. You know, I get it. And it's a, you know, finance is hyper-regulated, fine, whatever, all that. But, you know, what this whole episode to me ought to show is that the idea of IBC-friendly, bona fide IBC-friendly companies and those that are not friendly, that is a meaningful distinction it's a real distinction the long term does matter uh this affects other aspects you know that it's not just whether they like the marketing language or not you know it's about the flexibility in the pua it's about the favorability of the type of term it's about the design of the premium structure with respect to the amount of base as opposed to the amount of pua uh all of this matters and it's All the more of it, you know. This idea of well, what what company illustrates best? You know, how how quickly can I get my cash value to exceed my cost basis? It's like, oh boy, Um, I don't know. It's a little bit of vindication. It's a little bit of validation of the kind of stuff we've been talking about for a long time, and
0: you know i've mentioned it many times but you know i was in houston one time at an event went to lunch with an agent and some other agents you know we're sitting around i didn't know him; just met him great people and you know we're talking about just business in general and i mentioned service and he about fell out of his chair you know he was a son of a life insurance producer so it's generational you know and the guy was you know 30 40 years old i don't know but he's like there, there's no service in life insurance I'm like, well, of course there's not the way you do your business. Yeah. Right. Um <clears throat> it, it's you, you talk to, you know, talk to your clients now. I mean, I know you do, but it's it's just, they're three, four, five, two years, one year into policies, and then it's like, oh my gosh, I've got more cash value than I thought, even though I seen the numbers. Like that one individual walking in and paying off a He locked because, and he tells the young MBA banker, "I I see it as a liability. It's become a liability to me, and they don't even know how to respond to that." I mean, how many people walked into the bank last week and paid something off? And was like, "I see that as a liability. (laughs) I love that." And then it's like, "Oh, wait a minute, this policy is doing very well." You know, you Mm -hmm. you want me to jump through a bunch of hoops for your opportunity, whatever it may be. Mm. you want me to put all my capital at risk because you have a great real estate you know opportunity and i'm amazed at how many oh, real yeah. estate gurus and experts are in the infinite banking footprint yeah i mean not that i'm just saying it's like oh my gosh um anything but anything but paying a life insurance premium anything mm. but paying a life insurance premium and accumulating capital and have the opportunities appear because it's attracted to the capital that you've accumulated. And then you get to vet the opportunities. It's a complete paradigm shift.
1: Yeah. So many of that 1090 stuff. It's all about, you know, you don't make your I've heard these exact words. You don't make your money in the policy. You make your money outside of the policy with policy loans. Oh, yeah. You know, funny how that they're that that type of branding goes hand in hand with the 1090 stuff whereas with the more long term oriented respect for the base premium unafraid to capitalize cognizant of the early illiquidity thinking long range goes hand in hand with legitimate proper opportunity discernment.
0: That You know, and if you don't have capital it, you know, I mean, we speak English and I know you you speak English too and you can hear what we're saying um, and hearing it and experiencing it are two different things yeah. completely.
1: It's, it's. I mean, I can speak from my own experience. It is a It is a new type of challenge to understand that not every opportunity that comes knocking is an opportunity. I, we mentioned how that's one of the things I'm going to talk about the think tank coming up next month is that the, the question is not whether the advertised rate of return on the alleged investment opportunity is greater than the policy loan interest rate. Like, Arbitrary. We Arbitrary. don't just need, you know, a positive spread. You know, oh, i make the spread. You know, very <laughs> clever. One number's bigger than the other. It's like, yeah, we get that. That isn't the comparison. Okay. The comparison is what's the loan interest rate with the value of the next best opportunity. And the value of the next best opportunity could be known now or it may not be. You may not be aware of it. And so there's a learning process. There's a the calibration process that can only occur experientially over time with somebody who has real access to capital, who can, in fact, take the loan and go do something with it. There's an, oppor- there's an experiential learning process that that person, only that person can undergo to start to get a feel for what to them is a proper opportunity. And if you trace that, if you go far enough down that rabbit hole, I suspect where you end up is a new appreciation for the kind of return that you yourself can generate as opposed to what others can generate for you. Like those people that market to you all day nonstop about the alleged historical rate of return that they achieved doing you know their clever airbnb trick hack whatever it is right <laughs> there, you you just might discover at the bottom of all that that oh maybe the right place to deploy my capital is with
0: myself so i gotta get into the inner circle to get to the bottom of
1: that <laughs> no you don't i just give away this for free um, no i i Maybe it's in your own business, maybe it's in your own life, maybe it's an educational program or training thing that you need to go through to improve your skills so that you can go and do something. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's equipment or tools in this new in this technological era where the cost of equipment just continues to go down that where you can learn a skill or learn how to use something so that you can go and finance your way out of the job the nine to five the the uh, the the salary into the W-2 is the word I was looking for into the 1099 or the independent contractor or the LLC or the S whatever, you know, maybe that's where like, but of course you can't package that and commodify it and say, well, the historical average rate of returners, let me show you how to, you know, get 13.985% rate of return on the investment of in yourself that you're going to do that. I don't even know about, right? Like that can't be, Commodified and packaged and sold to you as an advertisement so it's a little more difficult to talk about but maybe that's where the actual and we all know that right like the the riches are in the niches the thing that only you can do that you can do best is where the greatest returns are like that's I think at some intuitive level that's obvious to people but it's like well then take that seriously
0: yeah, like, no, show me how in your big presentation please bring in all these other moving parts show me how and, and, and it's like, if you listen, you're being told how anyway, or you're being encouraged to think how and see it in your own mind. Close your eyes right, and envision all the capital that you can accumulate. Now, you may have a hard time envisioning, envisioning or visualizing the opportunities that come. But just think about all the opportunities that have been presented before you previously. And you didn't have the capital. Mm. it's just it's just it'll be a multiple of those I'm telling you mm. right and then tell me tell me please how do you quantify the value of the whole contract mm. over your whole lifetime all right is it is it is it a loan interest rate is it an internal rate of return with a guaranteed accumulating part and a non-guaranteed dividend part combined with unequal cash flows under whatever time period you want to carve out. I'm just saying your whole life. Tell me, how do you quantify numerically the value of taking your family around the world? Walking into a bank or a third-party lender and telling them, uh, Bye, Felicia. And then <laughs> <Your> it, <ability. laughs> what What is the value of the look on their face whenever you say, Oh, your loan... That you've provided me that I have over collateralized and overpaid in an interest on money that didn't exist has uh, become a liability to me. Oh my <laughs> gosh! And <laughs> in, 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 in that same conversation, I want to say, uh, in fact, that and this gentleman's telling me, he's like James, oh, dividend-paying whole life insurance has been assassinated by the mm. financial world. Mm. And it's true. Well, let me tell you what. The financial world doesn't assassinate things that they like, right? Um, they're not going to assassinate their partner. I mean, a, a very good word. I mean, when you think that oh, through, it's, it's nice. like, oh, yeah. my gosh, they have been assassinated.
1: Well, and that's one of the reasons I get fired up about it, is It's just a constant onslaught. And the people that work at the companies don't do anything to defend it. It's all this uh, corporate cowardice. Right, it's all the you know the, the same thing with the diversity, equity, inclusion nonsense. Right, it's like go along to get along. We don't want to upset anybody. Huh. You know, just okay, yes, you know uh, that kind of cr- nonsense. Right, and so don't cancel me. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna speak up for like uh, what is correct. You know, just like they. You go read the transcripts from the June 1988 uh, Senate U.S. Senate subcommittee on taxation and debt management it's like the letters from the companies are oh we uh you know identify with the government's concerns it's like
0: how many uh, of those companies demutualized right before during or right after all that yeah through the 90s a big deal i mean but none of that happened in a vacuum
1: and that's one of the reasons i get fired up about it's like we've it's dang near a freaking miracle that it's even possible to take control of the banking function to assist. By the way, I mean, just in the history of economic thought, the idea of capital, the idea of prospective financial value, that something could be worth money. Like, what is it to say that this phone is worth something? It's not like I can pull money out of it, you know, but we can talk in terms of a durable good having value or you talk about a contract being worth something and then the next level of that that i can go and give this conditional collateral assignment to some entity to then borrow money like that that is a it just take my word for it or don't go read about the history of economic thought the idea that that could that that is a possibility and that one can put themselves in a position of contractual control over all of that is it's miraculous. It's just miraculous. And the fact that the U S federal government in all of, you know, their war on prosperity for the average person that you could still do that is that that's mind blowing. I mean, give them time. Well, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, you know, make hay while you're able, you know, there's a season for harvesting, like, you know, go get some, like,
0: pile it on. That's a very good, that's a very good observation or comment. It's, uh, you know, and like the future happens, you know, I mean, we're all going to graduate and we're all going to age until that happens. You know, and of course there's one more, there's this life and one more, right? So we're talking about this life on this side. You're gonna keep having birthdays until you don't. Mm. It is gonna happen. All right. so this idea that I'll do it someday, right? Yeah. Or I'm I'm sixty, uh, you know, I'm too old. I'm fifty, I'm too old. I've got a fourteen year old or twenty-one year old, isn't it better for them? My wife is, you know, healthier than I am. I'm not healthy. I don't you're want to lose the weight. The 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 truth is I don't wanna be scrutinized personally for all of my personal decisions of overeating not exercising i'm speaking for me okay i'm fat for a reason i like food um well who wants to be scrutinized you know who wants to go to the medical profession and you know professional oh i don't know the person who wants to live maybe i'm just saying that uh uninsurability happens suddenly Right. You overeat. You do whatever. You're not you're not reading the numbers. You don't believe the numbers like Jim Rohn would say. You know, it's like, oh, you're looking at your waist size, but you don't believe the numbers. You're looking at your cholesterol, but you don't believe the numbers. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, they've accumulated over a time period. And now you're not preferred anymore. You're standard or substandard or uninsurable. Oh, people graduate suddenly. Right. These things happen. So my point here is there is no better time than now. The future is unknown. You're going to wait until when? What if? I mean, don't wait. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at the at the very least, you know, consider buying term that's convertible. You know, take care of your obligations. What's wrong with that? We don't even have to talk about banking. All right, let's just talk about personal responsibility. All right? And then and then, you know, learn about banking or what discover infinite banking for yourself, the possibility of controlling the banking function as it relates to you. All right? I mean, just that rabbit hole will blow your mind. So, um don't wait. It's okay not to wait.
1: I had a call. With but a know
0: what you're purchasing and know with whom you're working and know the company because even a term, life insurance, is a contract. You have certain rights and obligations and you should know them. Okay.
1: I had a call with a client earlier this week and I could kind of get the sense Doing well for himself. Him and his wife both working, making good money. And he, I guess these sometimes where it the self-identified finance and econ nerds which again I'm talking about myself like I I know who you are uh you attract them but they <laughs> you know they get into learn about IBC and this particular gentleman had only heard about it like a couple of weeks ago yeah and you could I could kind of tell in his voice you know that it kind of feels too good to be true yeah and uh <laughs> it makes me smile cuz it's like I know exactly I mean, I remember first reading Becoming Your Own Banker and looking at the numbers and equipment financing and being like, are you kidding? Like, are you actually kidding? Yeah. It's kind of how I feel about like things like weight loss and sobriety. It's like, wait, this is possible? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's probably part of why the commodification and salesification of IBC irritates me so badly because it's it's such a bastardization of something that's so great and available and simple i mean we've talked about we've talked for hundreds of hours and i've got the eight hour whole life insurance mechanic series and there's a whole nelson's whole book and other books and there's a whole lot of words about it but just like Nelson used to say at the end of the day this is ridiculously simple just pay a premium the problem is the problem the premium is the solution as somebody I know once said
0: I, I like that guy yeah he's alright
1: he has a pretty good podcast
0: smart fellow, hangs around with smart people his clients are like <laughs> off the charts smart so
1: none of this is what I wanted to talk about today <laughs> This page of notes has nothing to do with what we just talked Perfect. about. I show up late, you know, because uh,
0: Forty-five minutes, thirty minutes. How late were you? I okay. was not as late as you were last time. Thank you, sir. I
1: know oh! you had me here on a weekday.
0: Oh, the, the okay. traffic
1: in DFW. It happens. Is like, you know,
0: it's like it. 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 Look. Um, on time's late. Uh, no. What yeah, is, is and late now? is. Fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, on time is late. Uh, late is early is on time. Yeah. Early is on time. On time is late and late is unacceptable. There you go. You know, <laughs>
1: we can manage it. Anyway, I'm happy. That's 70 minutes.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Man, There's some, uh, you know, um, I think we cover personally, you know, and I am, Biased. Um, I think we cover uh, a lot of uh, topics and, and a, a lot of it is nuanced. And I hear it all the time from clients. It's like, oh, James, um, you know, when I first started listening to you, um, you know, I understood a lot, but there was some I just, some of it didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand or I couldn't really catch it. And, You know, and now uh, the more you listen and the more premium you pay and the longer you pay premium and the more of your banking function that you can, that you do control, um, a lot of the nuance, because we talk very nuanced, Mm. right? On purpose, right? Uh, They get it. It makes sense. And And it's so gratifying to hear people with what they're doing and- And the success that they're having or the enjoyment that they're having, the increase. I mean, when you fire your bankers, when you turn around a cash flow that's going to go away from you and your family forever and you redirect that back to you and your family, potentially generationally, it's like, please tell me where you put that value, where you put that rate of return or that one little digit, where do you put that? And you cannot. Um, the value of that is just unbelievable. And it's almost, almost too good to be true. So, yeah.
1: and I'll just say to close out you know, all these companies are just wonderful. You know, it's, it's all great. I think the one general encouragement is just to do business with like minded individuals and institutions. You know, we can assume angelic intentions all the way down. Uh, and I'm all for that everybody's great everyone's trying their best right sure um, and then in some sense I really do believe that yeah but at the end of the day uh, they're it, it, they're making it more and more obvious right there are some institutions and organizations who want certain kinds of business and there's others who don't and you know there's a difference between judgment and discernment we don't have to We don't have to even say that one is right or the other is wrong. It's not even necessary. Uh, We can just identify, observe, notice the differences. Like Nelson used to say, proper classification. Some want your business, others don't. Some want to think short term. Some want to accentuate cash value, hyper cash value growth in the short run. They don't care about service over time. Don't really care about the attitude of the officers at the company that provided the product. Not much care given, if any, to the type of term or PUA riders. They just want to get the sale done. And look, you know, Jack in the Box and Carl's Jr. exist for a reason. Some people want fast food. There's nothing wrong with it. If you take that negatively, it's because you're putting value on that. I'm just saying it's a fact. Some people want the short-term stuff. And God bless them. I hope it works out for him. At the end of the day, some death benefit and cash value is better than none. Some premium paid is better than none. Eating is better than starving, right? Some is better than none. I'm all for that. Great. I'm also for a certain kind of a certain kind of philosophical outlook. You know, Nelson Nash is what Nelson Nash taught the infinite banking, as you find in becoming your own banker in a six-hour seminar. Uh, that's different. It's not fast food. It's not quick and easy. I had a client ask me this week, "Do you have like a one-page document, something like, OMG. A, a cheat sheet for my wife or whoever it was?" And I'm like, "I do actually. I mean, it's not one. It's 92 pages long. But I mean, yeah. look, there's a. You want to talk about the cost, the trade-off? You know, is it too good to be true? <coughs> no. You got to put time, effort, care, attention into this. Energy into this." So, there is a trade off. There is a capitalization. We should be front, we should be direct and forward about that. Um, And we shouldn't be encouraging, my opinion, for whatever it's worth, I know, only six years in the business, I'm young, I get it. uh, Shouldn't be encouraging people to throw policy loan money at anything that's got a net positive rate of advertised rate of return. I don't think that lines up, I don't think that squares economically. Uh, I don't think that just because a number is put in front of you and you can observe that it's bigger than another number that it's the right thing to do. Uh, I think economic and financial strategy is a bit more nuanced than that. Uh, And it's something that's got to be learned uh, and can only be learned by doing, uh, by actually experiencing. So it's all what we say, love, peace, and chicken grease. Um, You know, work with people who think the way you do. Uh, And let the others go do what they do. You know, it's all good. They can go, they can have all that, you know. Uh, And you can become your own banker because amazingly, by God's grace, that's freaking possible.
0: So. Perfect. All right, thanks for sharing. Thanks for listening. See you next time.